Hey, good morning. How many of you ever said something that you regretted saying? Every single one of us, right? And we, 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 you know, there's this, uh, you know, little rhyme that says, uh, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words or names can never what? How many of that's the dumbest saying in the whole world? Because it's, it's not true. And, and what I want to dig in today is we're going through our series in the book of James. We're going to jump into this chapter of James, where James, who we've discovered over the last couple weeks, is the brother of, of Christ. He grew up with Jesus. He uh, eventually became a follower of Jesus after Jesus' resurrection, bowed his heart and life to Jesus as his Lord and Savior, and recognized that, that Jesus was indeed God. And church history tells us that James actually gave his life as a martyr for Christ. And he wrote this book as being a leader in the Jerusalem church. And, and, and James just has some real, I, I love the book of James for this reason, it has some real practical wisdom on how we live out an authentic Christian walk. I mean, if, if we've come to faith in Jesus Christ, and we believe in Him as our Lord and Savior, and, and, it's, and we, we call ourselves a Christian, or we call ourselves a follower of Christ, then how do you know it? It has to translate in the way we live our lives. And so what James does is he gets very practical in this chapter of, of his letter and shows us uh, what does it practically look like to live out your faith, and, and specifically in, in the ways of words, that our words have meaning. Our words have weight. What, what we say matters, and we can use our words to build people up, and we can use our words to tear others down. And we're going to see how important our words are uh, in conjunction with our walk with Christ. Because how many know it's just not the words we say, but there's something going on deeper within our heart. And, and that's really the, the crux of what James gets to. So what, what I want to look at is, is, is just words. What, what, are we looking at what we're saying? And, and when we say hurtful things or when anger comes out of our life, where is that, that coming from? And James gives us some real uh, uh, practical things here. I, uh, I read this um, poem uh, by Lauren Child. She writes children's books, and she kind of did a, a, a kind of a retake on the on, the, on that little saying, sticks and stones may break my bones, but names can never hurt me. She says this. Uh, she says, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words can also hurt me. Stones and sticks break only skin, while words are ghosts that haunt me. Slant and curve, the word sword falls. It pierces and it sticks inside of me. Bats and bricks may ache through bones, but words can mortify me. Pain from words has left its scar on mind and heart that's tender. Cuts and bruises have not healed its words that I remember. How many remember, uh, how many know that someone can say maybe a hundred positive things and then all of a sudden someone can say one negative thing and it's that negative thing that sticks out from all the other positive things that were said in your life. Okay, those of you shoving your driver this morning, can I hear an amen? Okay, so we, we, we know that those things hurt and, 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 and we know that words hurt. We know that it's something that we just can't uh, brush off and, and just say, well, you know, just have a thick skin or just 
let it roll off your back like water off a duck's back. Just let it roll off. We know that that doesn't work. Uh, maybe, maybe you're here and you were constantly criticized as a child, which caused you to live in a constant need of approval. Maybe uh, you were teased and bullied, uh, and, and the words that were used against you are, are still fresh um, in your mind. I mean, I can remember as a first grader, as a first grader, which was like a million years ago when I was in first grade, but I always remember, and, and isn't it funny, there's a lot of teachers I don't remember, but I remember this one teacher because of the one really harsh thing he said to me in class. And I, was, I wasn't grasping some of the mathematical problems that he was giving to the class. And I, and I raised my hand to, um, it was subtraction, and I, and I still to this day struggle with subtraction. And, and so I, I raised my hand and asked the teacher, and, um, and, and, and he's like, you're asking again? And he goes, Bart, are you just stupid? He called me stupid in front of the whole class. And the next, I told my mom, my dad, the next day my mom came and just whooped on him. Just whooped up his butt. You don't talk to my son that way. Who do you think you, no, I'm teasing. Um, she did have, we did have a little conference and I ended moving schools. But anyways, um, which is all true. Uh, and, and then I went to no school and I had a great teacher named Miss Ray, who was just the opposite. Wore white polyester suits, drove a white Lincoln uh, marquee with the opera windows in the back and she looked like Cruella DeVille but she was an awesome teacher and, and she encouraged me it was totally the opposite but I always remember that and when it caught how many you know when you get that negative word or that put down it caused you to draw back into this shell and I can remember as a student never wanting to raise my hand in class because I never wanted to look what? stupid so I was the quiet one, and, and I was even in high school. I wouldn't. I would always wait till after class to go to the teacher and ask a question because I didn't. That that that, that words just as that poem haunted me the rest of my life because I didn't want to look stupid. And so um, James gives us some interesting insight into why uh, we hurt others with words. Well, what's really going on? Is it just? Is it just words? Or is it something much deeper? So I want you to look. Let's look in the Word together. We're in James chapter three, and we're going to look at uh, we're going to look at basically this whole chapter. But let's first look at verses one through twelve, and um, let's see what James says about the tongue and the taming of the tongue. So James chapter three. If you got your Bibles, you can turn there. Or you can follow me along here. James chapter three, verses one through twelve. Let's see what James says here. He says, not many of you should become teachers, my fellow believers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. We all stumble in many ways. Anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect, able to keep their whole body in check. And now he's going to get into the specifics of, of, of the mouth. He's saying, listen, don't be eager to become a teacher a leader because you're going to be judged more strictly. And so what he does is this is the reason why you need to be careful about not just eagerly wanting to seek higher positions or being a teacher. He says, just be accountable because what you say matters. And the more people you say it to matters. That's why being a pastor, or anyone that teaches um, is, is difficult because you're thinking about, I, I've got to, I'm going to be judged for the words I say. And I, and I can't, I've got to be careful. I've got to, I've got to look at my words carefully and what I say, because the more people that hear it, 
Um, I'm going to be accountable for those things, right? And so James is saying, listen, be accountable because your words matter. So what does he say? He says, when we put bits in the mouth of, of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal around or, or take ships as an example. Although they are so large and driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants it to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body and it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue is also a fire, a world of evil among many parts. It's, it, it corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire. Itself is set on fire by what? By hell. But doesn't that make you feel all warm and fuzzy? So once again, he's saying here is important what our words mean and what what, what we're saying. We're going to be accountable for that. Uh, Verse 7, all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind. But no human being can tame what? The tongue. It's, It's a restless evil full of deadly poison. Ouch. With the tongue, we praise our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse human beings. We have been made in in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can salt spring produce fresh water. So, here's the question I want to ask you today. Why? Why? It's funny. We, we can discipline ourselves to, to, to do great things. Like, we can discipline ourselves to work out or discipline ourselves to, to wake up in the morning and go to work every day and we can discipline ourselves to go on a diet. Or we, can, we can do all these disciplines and, and think we're doing really great. But how many know that the one discipline that's the hardest thing to control is our tongue? Come on, church. How many of you know what I'm talking about? I mean, that, this is the one area. I mean, we can be so disciplined in every other area and, and, and say all these things. And, you know, um, uh, you, you know we, we, we make New Year's resolutions. Where I'm going to be disciplined to read my Bible. Or I'm going to be disciplined not to, you know, put away soda for a month. Or I'm going to be disciplined not to do this. And we, we do these things and we feel so great. But yet the one thing we can't discipline is the tongue, James says, and he is spot on. Why? Why do we say things when we know we ought not say the things that we say? How many have ever said something like, why did I say that? You know, you know what I'm talking about? We, we say things. James says, the tongue is such a small part of the body, but it causes the most harm. A, a large ship is steered by a small rudder, yet... Uh, Yet it moves a huge ship. The small spark can create a huge, massive forest fire. But the one thing that we have the most trouble with is our tongue. And so we can stop doing a lot of things here. And some of you here today, Christ has helped you overcome a tremendous amount of things in your life and bad things and harmful things. But for some reason, every single one of us in this place stumble over our tongues more than anything else. So why is this? Why do we struggle in this area? And why, why does James spend a whole chapter or a whole part of his letter talking about our words? Because we realize that our words matter. And I believe our words 
caused the largest stumbling block and the most division within the body of Christ. And we have to guard what we say very carefully. And so let's look at this because the reason why we struggle in this area is because every single one of us struggle with sin and we struggle with the flesh nature. And so what happens is when we say hurtful things, we'll end up following up or justifying it by saying, well, I really didn't mean it. So, so let's just have a little therapy session this morning and let's just call it for what it is, shall we? Let's not try to candy coat it. Let's not try to whitewash our words anymore. Let's really take ownership of what we're saying so we can move through and allow Christ to do some healing in our life. See, when we say hurtful things, we say, well, I didn't mean it. Yeah, 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 we did. Otherwise, we wouldn't have said it. Okay, I'm, I'm just caught this 8.30 crowd that woke up early to shovel your snow. Come on, let, let, let me, let's bring it together here. We look back and we realize it was wrong and we apologized, but something caused us to say it. We can't get away with, I was just mad, or I'm not patient, or I had a long day, or that's just the way I am. Let's stop candy coating it and making excuses for it. Listen, I'm preaching to myself just as much as I'm speaking this to every single one of us here. Let's not get away with it. Let's just not say, well, I'm mad or, you know, I'm this or it's my ethnic background and that's just the way it is and blah, 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 blah. Let, let's, not Cody can, let's not candy coat this thing any longer. Um, the, the, these are just excuses. But what I want you to see is James is going to explain later in this chapter there's something deeper going on. James is not letting us get away with excuses for our hurtful words. See, he tells us that if I'm blessing God and then someone cuts me off in traffic and I start cussing them out, something's wrong. If, I'm, if I got Caleb on the radio and we're saying, I can only imagine, and we're driving our car and worshiping, I can be in heaven with you, and then someone cuts you off and you look at him and you want that person to go to hell, right? Right? I'm, I'm, I'm just being honest with you. Can we be real? Right? And all of a sudden, it's like, wait, I was just worshiping the Lord, and someone cuts me off, and I'm ticked off at this person for that. James says, these things cannot be together. How can salt water come out of that well of spring water? These things ought not be. So, so we've got to be careful, because, because what we can do is end up justifying it by, by saying things like, that guy just, worshiped, just ruined my worship time with Jesus by being a bad driver. How dare he... Ruin my worship time with Jesus by being a bad driver, right? Let, let, quiet. Let, 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 let's talk about this. Because what, what ends up happening is, is when we begin to allow things to come forth in our heart that come out and that are ungodly or aren't of Christ, what we end up doing is we end up simply trying behavioral modification by just saying, I won't do it again. Or, or, or if I say, well, I did this, I'm not going to do it again, I'm not going to do it again. Then we fail over and over and over and over again. We say, I just need greater willpower or whatever. How many of you know that's not the answer? Just, just willpower and just saying, I'm not going to do it again. I'm not, it's not the answer because you, you, we're not getting to the root of what the real problem here. So what is the answer? Well, the answer is James and the latter half of this chapter explains what's really going on in our hearts. And that's where we've got to get into. That's where we've got to allow Christ 
to get down, to get deep, to get in those areas of why, why do I allow myself to get angry? Why do I allow myself to say things that, that I don't want to say because I know it's hurting that person, but, but I say them anyways. I can't blame it on my emotions. I can't blame it on, on my anger. There's something going on here. So let's, let's look at this latter half of James and verses 13 and 18. And what James does is, is he gives us two types of wisdom. One type of wisdom that is of the world and of the flesh. The other wisdom is the wisdom that comes from God and from God's Holy Spirit. Now, if we say that we're a follower of Christ, we've got to say, hey, Lord, what are you doing in my heart? And, and if, if, if things are coming out of my mouth that aren't of you, something's going on deeper within my life. And this isn't wisdom. This isn't this isn't uh, stuff that, that God desires from us. So let's see what. James says, so let's look at verses 13 through 18. He says in verse 13, who is wise and understanding among you? Let them show it by their good life, by deeds done in humility that comes from wisdom. Now look at verse 14. But if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder in every evil practice. Verse 17, he says, But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. Peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. So what is what is James saying here in the latter half of this chapter? What he's saying is that the core of hurtful words is the heart. The, at the core of my hurtful is is there something going on in my it's just not that I'm emotional it's not just that I had a bad day see every single one of us we have filters in our lives and we know if if you're a follower of Christ we know what's right and what's wrong or we should right we we know that's a bad word I shouldn't use it or we know well that that's wrong and all of a sudden something pops through that filter when we're irritated or our emotions get stirred up, or we get angry, and it pops through that filter, and what we end up doing is, oh, that's wrong, and I shouldn't do it, I'm sorry. But what God wants you to say, listen, just don't say, oh, okay, I, I won't do that again. We need to say, God, there's something wrong with my heart. And it's amazing. I've had people talk to me, and they don't even know me, and they'll say, I just don't like you. Well, how can you not like me? I'm like the greatest person in the whole world. How could you not like me? I like me. No, I'm just, I, how can you, and it's interesting. And then, and then when you begin to talk and you're like, you know what? I just have a problem with pastors because when I was younger, I had a pastor who was really mean, who bought whatever. And that, that's, that's their take. And all of a sudden, every pat they don't like any past and they don't even want to get to know. See what happens? There was something deeper. It wasn't me. It was just the symbolic image of a pastor that they had a bad taste. How many of that can happen in church? That you have a bad experience in church. And then all of a sudden we say, we make this blanket statement and we say church is bad. Every church is bad and I'm not going to church anymore, right? 
And so there's something deeper going on, some deeper hurt that's going on that hasn't been dealt with. And so when, when something comes out of our mouth that breaks through our little Christian filter that we set up, right? Instead of just saying, oh, I won't do that again. We need to say, wait a minute. Am I harboring, like James says, am I harboring some type of bitterness that I don't even know is there or that I buried for so long that I haven't let Christ deal with yet and it's coming out in the way I act or in my anger. And so what's going on here? It's not just saying, oops, I made a mistake again and my mouth got me in trouble. It's saying there's something wrong in my heart because James says is, but if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your what? Hearts. And so, listen, he, he's going to, I'm going I'm to extract this for you because, see, when things come out of my mouth that is in contrast to Christ, I need to take notice of that. Instead of saying, oh, well, I need to ask myself, am I harboring something in my heart that I've not allowed God to deal with? Now, here's the two opposite polar extremes that can happen. Number one, when we say something that's ungodly, we can beat ourselves up and say, you know, I'm no good and I can never follow the Lord. I need to repent, you know, and, and just keep beating ourselves up. Or we can say, you know what? This necessarily isn't a bad thing because it's revealing some deficiency in my heart that I need to allow Christ to deal with. And that's a good thing. Because what's happened is that situation or that conflict revealed something that needed to be dealt with. So instead of covering it, by just behavior modification, saying, I'll never do it again. What you need to do is say, God, you need to go a little bit deeper within my heart and deal with something that needs to be dealt with, right? Because it, we may not even know it's there, but until some conflict comes up and, and some strenuous situation comes up, how many you know that it's through those strenuous situations or tense times that really reveals what's going on in your heart? Am I right? See, it, because when things are good, right? When things are going okay, it's not going to reveal what's really going on. But when we go through a trial, we go through a hard time and, 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 and something that we're pressed up against, that we got to dig deep into, those are the times that it's going to reveal or it's going to lay bare what's really going on in our heart. So that's not a bad thing. It's not that God is trying to make us all feel guilty and condemn us and tell us we're no good and we can never serve Him the way He desires. It's actually a good thing to allow God to deal with the deeper things in our heart. So what, God, what, what James is telling us, he says, if we are wise with godly wisdom, we will walk with humility and not let this ungodly thing coexist within our heart. So if I, if I find my words to be very negative, if I find my words to be very critical, if I'm jealous of what others have, if, if, if I don't have an encouraging word for others, if, if, if I find it hard to celebrate with good news of others, I need to take notice of my heart. And so what I want to do is, I, 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 I want to, I, just a minute, I want to give you a checklist because th this is a good indicator if something's deeper going on in our heart, if there's jealousy or bitter in there. And so what James says is, he goes even a step further by saying, if we harbor bitterness and jealousy and do nothing about it, its roots are even demonic. Its roots are even satanic. They're, they're demonic. And we have to realize 
that the enemy is right there wanting us to stumble and tempting us and, and wanting us to do things that, that are ungodly. And so we've got to be careful there. So James uses the word harbor. If you harbor bitterness or envy or jealousy within your heart. He says, if, if, what, what James says there, the word, the, the, the word language there, if you, if you do the study on the word there, it means to let it sit there. If, if you give it safe harbor in your heart, if you give that thing shelter, so if, if you allow that, that bitterness or that hurt to come into your life and then you let it reside there without dealing with it, what you've literally done is, I want to get a picture, it's like, it's like giving the hurt a boat slip in your heart. So what, what you've done is when you have bitterness or something that's hurt you, like if, if that first grade teacher, if I'm not careful, if, if I haven't offered forgiveness to that teacher for, for, for what he said to me so many years ago, I can allow that bitterness to become a boat slip in my heart. Right. And I can become very angry. And, and some of the things that may come out of my mouth may, may go back to those times where I'm just bitter and I have not allowed God to deal with that and, and, and not offering forgiveness for that thing. And so what James is saying is don't let it stay there. And what will happen is it will come out in your actions and your words. If bitterness and jealousy and envy are not dealt with, your heart will become a garbage dump. It will. If you don't deal with those things and not allow Christ to delve into those areas, your heart becomes a garbage dump. And, and you may be okay for a week or two or a month or a year, and all of a sudden something comes up, and, and that bitterness and that envy that's hidden in your heart will come up, and, 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 and just the fruit of that will come out in, in different ways. And, and, I, and I shared this quote because I love this quote. Bitterness is the poison we drink waiting for the other person to die. It just is. When we harbor that bitterness, all it is is we thinking it's hurting another person. It's not hurting another person. Guess what? It's hurting us. So I just want to give you this little checklist. Just, it's just a little checklist just to check our motives to make sure that our motives are pure and we're allowing God to deal maybe with the deeper issues in our lives. Here's a little checklist, checklist to see is there something going on in my heart that that Christ is not dealing with. Um, do I tend to put others down? Do I have a critical spirit or do I complain a lot? Every single one of us are guilty of that because this morning when you woke up, I know you complained. I know you did. I know you didn't wake up and say, isn't this a beautiful winter wonderland? And let's just, let's just sing jingle bells. How many you sing jingle bells this morning? You didn't. You know you didn't. Maybe... One of you, but you know you did, okay? So, so do I have a critical spirit? Do I complain? Because I know when I was shoveling the concrete out of the front of my driveway, I wasn't a happy camper. I wasn't. All right, I'll admit it. I'm repenting before you right now. Okay, do we complain? Do, do, I, do I tend to be more negative? Is, you know, the glass is always half empty. It's never sunny out. It's always partly cloudy. Do I have a harsh opinion of others? Do I tend to let everyone know my offense? Like when I'm offended about something, do I tend to let everybody know about my offense? Do I tend to blame everyone else for my faults? Uh, and, and this is the one I, I really want us because this is something I think we, we all struggle with. Do I tend to always jump to the worst conclusion of someone else? 
And I heard a pastor say this, and it was very interesting, because it really caused me to look at my heart and my life. And this one pastor called it this. He says, it's called filling the gap. What do we tend to do in people's lives? How do we fill the gap in other people's lives when we don't have the whole story? And he called it filling the gap. And what he meant by that was this. He said, um, and, and, and I know that we, we've all done this in one way or another. When, when I don't know what's going on in somebody's life and I'm expecting them to do something and they don't do it or they're not there on time or whatever, do I tend to fill the gap with suspicion? Do I tend to fill the gap with they're up to something? There's a conspiracy going on here. What's going on? Or, or why were they late? I bet you they slept in. I bet you they watched the basketball game last night and was on real late. And they're watching, you know, March Madness and they stayed up too late, right? Or, 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 or they're just lazy. I bet you they're just lazy. Do we tend to fill the gap with suspicion? And what's interesting about this is that what the pastor said is, instead of filling the gap with suspicion, let's just assume that something went wrong. Let's just assume that, you know, maybe they were sick, or maybe they got in an accident, or, or maybe... How many of you, you filled the gap with all the suspicion, and then it didn't come out to what you thought you, you, you felt about this pig, right? And, and, and so, he's, look, that's something that's going on within our own heart. What, what's going on there? There's something wrong with my heart. There's something that is unresolved in my heart. And the antidote for that is forgiveness. And here's where we need to get in our lives if we're not careful. If we're not dealing with these things, if we're not offering forgiveness to people, then what begins to happen is our heart becomes this dump. And, and, and it, the bitterness and the envy keep settling in, settling in. And then we begin to have these harsh opinions about other people. And we just, we're just angry. We, we can just become angry and, and, and bitter and, and, and just, just not nice. And so what, what James is saying is these two things, when, when something springs out of your heart, your heart is like a well. And, and I love the way James explained this because your well, the well of your heart can either spring sweet water or bitter water. And he's saying, out of that well, when something negative comes out, something that's ungodly, is that salt water that, that comes out that's residing in your heart. And, and, and he says, this, this wisdom that we need from God is from above. If we're merciful, if, if we're open to correction, if we have a correct image of ourselves, that we realize that people are going to hurt us at, time, at times. But are we really allowing God to do that deeper work in our heart? And, 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 and maybe for you, you're here and, and you're just like, man, I can't trust people because I've been hurt too many times. And, and every time I become vulnerable or every time I open myself up to somebody, um, somebody always lets me down. Somebody doesn't always follow with the word. So I'm just going to protect myself and I'm going to put a shell around my life and I'm not going to become vulnerable anymore. That's a really dangerous place to be. Because what you end up doing is harboring that bitterness in your life and not allowing God's forgiveness and His grace to flow through your life. I love what Psalm 19.14 says. It says, Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart 
be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. You see, the bottom line here is how do we change? How do we change from having a suspicious heart, filling the gap in with negative things? How do we change from, man, I just slipped, sorry for my words, I didn't mean, I didn't mean to say that, and, and making excuses for our words. How do we change? Well, the way we change is I love what James says here. He says, how can salt water and fresh water flow from the same spring? And if you do the Greek study on those words, really what those two words are, it's not just fresh water or, or, or salt water. It actually is bitter water. It's either bitter water or sweet water. It's probably a better translation there. And so how can bitter water f- flow from the same well that fresh water? How many of you can't drink out of that well if it's bitter, if it's salty? You can't drink out of that, out of that well. There, there's something wrong. And so what's happening is when, when things come out of that well, when I get angry and I'm not in control of, of my words or I say things that, that are, are not of God, so what's happening is it's coming out of that bitter well. There's something in my well, in my heart, that Jesus needs to deal with. And Christ is the only one that can change our sinful hearts. And so Christ literally has to go into the well of my heart. I have to allow Christ to come into my heart and change my heart from bitter to sweet. And, and if, if I don't allow Christ in there, then I'm, what I'm going to do is I'm just going to make more excuses for my life. And unless I let Christ get right down in there into the bitterness... And say, Christ, I need you to touch me. See, that's what I love about the psalmist here. He says, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my, of my heart be acceptable in your sight. The words that I'm saying. Let, let me guard my words. And the med- what, what am I thinking on, God? And, and secretly, in the, let's get real here. Secretly in the back of my mind, am I jealous of somebody else because of their success? What am I meditating on? Well, what am I meditating on in my mind? Am I secretly, coercively hoping that, that things don't work out for this person because I'm angry or bitter with them? I mean, that's where we got to check ourselves, right? So what am I meditating? And, and then, and then what, what's the worst? Because you know what? I could even guard my words and not say anything. But yet, what is my heart feasting on? I may not say anything. But he says, what is the meditation of my heart? Is the meditation of my heart evil? Is the meditation of my heart angry at that person and not really allowing God to do the deeper work? He said, let those things, God, be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. And what he's saying is, God, you're the only one that can redeem me from these things. And so what's flowing from your heart today? And have you you allowed Christ to enter into the well of your heart and to deal with those things that he needs to deal with? I can remember there was a kid in my youth group. His his name was Stephen. He had a real struggle with his identity. His mom left him and he lived with his grandparents. And um, his grandparents said, we don't know what to do with him. He's He's just a problem for us. So we're going to bring him to youth group, and um, he just needs help. And it was funny, 
Every other week he changed his name from Eric to Stephen. One week he'd come, hey Eric, how you going? No, I'm Stephen now. Okay, Stephen, how you doing? Good. The next week he'd come in and say, hey Stephen, what's up? No, I'm Eric. He just struggled with his identity. Just really struggled. And, and I can remember um, him coming and giving me a little bit of problems. He came on some trips with us. And I can remember we were, I was driving the, the, the church bus on a trip to Atlanta. And um, he just sat next to me for four and a half hours and just talked my ear off. You could just tell. He just, it was the longest trip of my life. No, it was not. Um, he, just t- he just wanted someone to talk to. And I can remember he just talked to me, talked to me, talked to me. Just, and um, I can remember he started to, he, we started to get a little deeper into his heart. And um, he said, Pastor Barn, can I tell you something? I said, yeah. He goes, I really hate my mom. Because I hate what she did to me. And so we began to talk about God's forgiveness and, and, and to talk about, you know, allowing Christ to change his heart about that and trying to understand his mom's background and what happened. And I can just remember he was real angry about that. And I can remember one day before youth group, he was just, he was just in one of those moves and he was angry and um, he didn't want to come into the, the youth group. He wanted to sit in the hallway and a youth worker went out there and kind of grabbed him by the arm and said, hey, Eric, you got to, whatever his name was that week, Eric or Steven, you got to come into the youth group. And he pulled his arm away. He said, I'm not coming in there. And there were some explicitives that were flown about. So the youth worker came into me and said, you need to get Eric or tell him to leave because it's really, it's, it's becoming really bad in the hallway. So I went out there. I said, Eric, what's going on? He said, I'm not going in. I said, okay, that's cool. What, what's, what's wrong? I'm not going in. I don't care. I don't care about you. I don't care about God. I don't care about anybody. And he was just in one of those moods. And he was getting right in my face. I mean, I thought, I don't know what was going to happen. I, I thought the closer I got to him, he couldn't hit me because he, he was, I was too close to his face. So I go, I'm just going to get real close. And all of a sudden, I just said, you know what? I'm just going to hug him. And I can remember this grab because he was so angry. And I remember his hands were like this, and he just, and all of a sudden he 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 just broke, and he just started to weep. And so I said, Eric, why don't you just come in, sit in the back, and let's just talk. You know, just sit in the back. I'm not going to anybody bother you. So we came in, he sat, and after youth group, we just talked. He was just angry. He was just bitter about all the things that were going on in his life, and he he just needs someone that really cared for him. And I can remember later, he came to the youth group for a while, and I always remember, he just told me, he goes, he goes, Pastor Barden, you're like the first person that I could really trust. He just didn't trust anybody. And what was that from? That was from all that bitterness and anger and hurt that he just pent up and his heart became a garbage dump for all that stuff. But when, when Christ's love came into his heart, and went into the well of that bitterness. It changed a heart that was bitter to a heart that became sweet and pliable and open to Christ's love. And some of you here today, you got some stuff in there that God still needs to deal with. And so when your anger comes out and your impatience comes out, Let's just say, God, there's something in there that you need to deal with and there's something that's bitter. There's something that's not right. And let God deal with your hearts today. Christ doesn't want you to keep that thing in your life any longer. He doesn't want you to battle with that. He wants to redeem you from that very thing. And the very thing that Christ came to do for us 2,000 years ago is the very thing we couldn't do for ourselves. 
And that was to overcome our sin. Jesus overcame it for you. And when you lay that before his feet, that's where his forgiveness and his grace flows into our lives and changes our heart. And some of you are thinking, how can God do this? He can change a heart of bitterness and anger to one that's sweet. To one that allows his grace to flow. That allows his grace to come in and then allows his grace to flow out to others who desperately need to hear of Christ's love and mercy and forgiveness. That's why James says, be gentle, be gentle, be gentle. That's wisdom from above. One that seeks peace, one that seeks unity, not that one seeks to destroy or bring disunity. So let's be those people that seek that wisdom from above. And the more God deals with our heart, the more we become those peacemakers that God desires us to be. And maybe that's the thing God desires you to for, be, for you to be in your families or to a coworker or whatever. Maybe there's some relationships that are broken in your lives that you need to restore. Allow God to use you to restore those. Be that peacemaker. That's wisdom from above. Don't allow bitterness to reside any longer. Amen? Let me pray for you. Let me just pray for you today as we close this time together. And let's just ask God to help us. And to go with us. Lord, we thank you for your word today. And and Lord, I know every single one of us in this room today struggle with this area. It's hard when people hurt us. It's hard when we're misunderstood. It's it's hard, God, when, uh, uh, Lord, we see what goes on in the world. And, And God, I pray that you would guard our hearts, dear Jesus, from allowing our hearts to become a garbage dump. From allowing our hearts to become a boat slip where... Um, bitterness and envy, envy can, can make its way in and we allow it to sit there. Lord, we know that the way out of that is through forgiveness and allowing you, Jesus, to come in and change that bitterness to sweet water. And that's what we need from you today, God. And so, Lord, when, Lord, I pray that we would be the ones that would be proactive in being the peacemakers in relationships. That we would be the ones that would humble ourselves in those relationships to allow you to be glorified. Lord, even, even if we feel justified or, or self-righteous or, 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 or justified in, in why we feel because that person hurts, God, help us to take the step towards you that says, I'm going to lay my rights down in order for you to be glorified in this situation. Even though I'm hurt, even though maybe I'm misunderstood, I'm going to allow you to be glorified by me laying my rights down to allow your grace to flow through my life when, when that grace most likely is not even deserved. But Jesus, that's what you did for us. That's what you did for us. We didn't earn or deserve your grace. We didn't earn or deserve your mercy. But yet you showed it upon us while we were still sinners. And you still died for us, even when we were enemies with you. Thank you for your grace. And may that grace flow from our hearts in the way we deal with each other in this world, God. So Lord, just cleanse us anew today. And I know that when we do that, we do feel your peace. And I believe there's some here in this room right now that just need your peace. They're just struggling because of the stuff that's been bottled up in their hearts, God. Let forgiveness flow through their hearts today as they give that to you and allow you to change that bitter heart to sweet water. We thank you for your word. Thank you for the correction in your word today, God. Because we know you love us. We know that you care about us. We know you discipline us like a good father will. 
And Lord, we want to be those disciples that truly follow you and do your will. So Lord, may we heed your words today. In Jesus' wonderful name. In Jesus' wonderful name. And all God's people said, Amen.